0: So we're abiding in him, John 15:4. we'll pick up again there. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. You know, and it's every Christian's desire, you know, we want to bear fruit. We want want our lives, our lifestyles to prove fruit in the kingdom. We want to be able to say, "I've I've been abiding in him. But the reality of it is, it can't be the fruit that we seek. What we seek is a life lived with Christ. A life lived with him. And you know, to live with him, to abide in him, we've got to learn to set up shop. We've got to learn to camp out. And so what does that look like? You know, accepting Christ and, and walking with Christ isn't about coming to church on Sunday or coming to church on Wednesday and doing a good things. It's learning how to set up our home in him. So when you move to a new house, which we've done twice in two years, <laughs> you get, yeah, with a newborn. And, and when you get there, you immediately, like, you have to get all your toiletries out. You have to get all your, you know, your, your um, cleaning products and all of the basic necessities in your hurry and you're getting it all out. And, and then you've got to get the couch set up and the TV and the beds, and right? Then it's all the comfort stuff. But what, what we do is we make, make sure that we're setting up house in a way that we can live, that we can function, that we can perform life at our best. Well, why would it be any different in Christ? So we want to set up our relationship with him in such a way that it ensures us a successful Christian life throughout our day, throughout our week, throughout our month, and throughout our entire life. So what happens is, is oftentimes we just get going and we're trying to feel like, Oh, do we do this? Do we do that? And we do a couple things for a while and then we find something else that we like better. That doesn't have anything to do with Jesus and we start doing it. Or we have a season change in life where the kids all move out of the house, right? They go off to college, they move out, they get married, or we start having babies or all that stuff. And if we haven't set up shop and made our home in Christ, then all those things blow us out the water. And we find ourselves spinning in the, in the cycles of life and we're like, wait a second, what happened? What happened to me? What happened to my walk? So we have to purpose, purpose to live life with Christ. So what does that look like for each of us? It's going to look different for everyone. And it's going to look different in every season of our life. But I've got to make sure that I've got access to Him. That I've got access to Him through reading. I've got access to Him through worship. I've got access to Him through the Bible. I've got access to Him through prayer. And each one of those in multiple ways. You get what I'm saying? I've got to make sure I've got the audio, on the, on, the audio Bible on the phone. I've got to make sure I have the apps. I've got to make sure I have it on the computer. I have to make sure I have a hard copy. You following me? I've got to make sure I have Pandora. Then i got iTunes. Then i got a CD. Then i got the radio. Because I never know which one is going to be available. And I've got to have a way to plug in. I've got to have a way to step away from life and find myself, what? Abiding. Worshiping. Learning to live in Him. So our concentration is not on bearing fruit, but on knowing Jesus. In Galatians 2, 19 and 20, it says, For I, through the law, die to the law, that I might what? Live to God. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ lives now lives in me the same spirit that raised christ from the lead dead lives inside of you and i and so we find ourselves now we're dead to the law the law it's gone because of the blood so i no longer have to live by i need to go to church it's the right thing to do i need to read my bible it's the right thing to do don't you know how much i pray sister i pray mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give you my time clock I don't have to live by that anymore because the life I now live, I live in Christ. I live in a relationship abiding in him that nobody's going to tell me I need to go to church and not because I'm the pastor or the pastor's wife. You didn't have to tell me that when I stopped doing drugs. You didn't have to tell me that when I threw all my clothes away. You know how I knew I had to be inside because I had to be with the one that loved me lest I go run away and find the filth of the world again. So, we're, gonna, we're, we're dead to the law and we're made alive in Christ Jesus. So, the more that I abide in Him, the more I learn to live and seek a relationship with Him, the more desire I have for the things of God, the more desire I have for, the, for, for kingdom work. You don't have to twist my arm to teach a Bible study, you don't have to twist my arm to teach a Bible college class, you have to twist my arm to get me to not do it because my schedule's too full. Why? Not because of law. Not so I can say, hey, look at my resume and all that I do. Don't you know? No, I don't care who knows. Because my father knows. Because it's all coming out of what? A relationship with him. Romans eleven eighteen says, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root. But the root supports you. Got a great quote from Matthew Henry. It says, The believers are the branches of this vine, which supposes that Christ is the root of the vine. The root is unseen, and our life is hid with Christ. The root bears the tree, diffuses sap to it, and is all in all to its flourishing and its fruitfulness. And in Christ are all supports and supplies. In Him are all supports and supplies think about that think of the tree we don't see those root systems you know back in New Orleans we had oak trees huge oak trees that'd be a hundred plus years old massive those hurricanes came and they didn't blow them over you know why because those roots went down deep and after it went down really deep it spread out really far and those roots that's what provides the nourishment the things that are not seen all of our public service, that's why laws, the law can't do it for us. Because all of our public service has nothing to do with whether our relationship with God is really there. Anybody can go perform. They got churches all over America meeting tonight that have no presence of God in it because it's all duties and rituals. It's about relationship, but, it, but, but in a secret place, in the places that are hidden. That's where our nourishment comes from. That's where the sap comes up and begins to nourish those trees. That's where the sweetness of that relationship comes from. It's the hidden part of our life. You know, when, when, when the tough times come, where are we running? When the good times come, where are we running? Are we celebrating in Him? Are we rejoicing in Him? Are we learning to live life with Him? You know, and it's real easy to say yes. When you stub your toe, what happens? When you go grocery shopping and you, get the, and you see the total, what happens? When you're, when, you're, when, you're running, when you're running late for service, what happens? You know, I've heard for years stories of preachers and their families getting ready for church on Sundays and how that was the worst house to be in. And I'm like, Lord, that will not be so. That will not, right, honey? That will not be so. We leave together. But it won't, it can't be so because it's gonna mess me up. It's gonna mess me up as the spouse trying to support him. It's gonna mess him up as the as the shepherd trying to cover and lead the church. So we shut down Saturdays at five and we begin to put on Christ in a whole new way. We gotta shut it down and abide in him to where Sunday morning cometh, and all of us are ready to go. When Zoe wakes up and she knows it's Sunday. Our whole house is getting excited because why? We've been spiritually preparing for what's to come. But our root system is a hidden thing. It's hidden in Christ. The branches of the vine are many. Some on one side of the house or wall, others on the other side. Yet meeting in the root are all but one vine. Thus all good Christians, though in place and opinion distant from each other, yet they meet in Christ the center of their unity. Believers like the branches of the vine are weak and insufficient to stand of themselves, but as they are born up. So that's the other beauty of it is you and I abide in Christ. We're abiding in the same vine, in the same root system. So when we talk about unity of the body, we are so connected. We're all connected in in, in him. We all get our supply from him. We all get our sufficiency from him. So all the more when Jesus prayed, Lord, I pray that they all would know would be one as we are one there that that's the reality of it when you and I take communion we are taking of Christ together as one family when we are when we're coming together and we're laboring over our city in prayer and laboring over our church and we're paying our tithes and our offerings into the Lord you we're united in him he's our root system what's happening underneath the surface You know, and he should always be challenging us. If I'm not convicted about something, I'm like, Lord, what am I doing wrong? Is there sin in my life? Because I need to be being challenged in my daily walk with him. I need to be growing in my daily walk with him. I need to know that my nourishment, my sustenance, the thing that keeps me going, the thing that holds me together is Christ in me. Christ in me. 2 Corinthians 3, 5 says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. He's our root system. He's our support system. He is our source of nourishment. So we're personally learning to abide with Jesus. You know, that's why we, we always talk about knowing him. You know, seeing and savoring. We keep going over the different attributes of Christ. We keep to- talking about the different character of Christ and the different roles that he's played. Because we've got to know him. And we know him from abiding in him. Spending time setting up house in relationship with him. How else do we abide with him? We abide in prayer. John 15 7 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. I love this because he combines if you abide in me And my words abide in you. You can ask what you will. And so it's a twofold thing. To abide in Christ, what does John 1.1 says? That he is the word. So if we're abiding in Christ, we're also abiding in the word. If we're abiding in the word, the word is what? Living and active and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. It is jumping out of that page. It is getting in our bellies. Living inside of us. And so as you and I begin... To go to Father in prayer, to go into prayer, we're abiding in him. I no longer am praying according to my own desires. I'm not not praying according to my own natural self. I begin what? Praying the word of God. I begin praying the will of God, not because, hey, you're so anointed now. You can ask him for that Mercedes Benz. That's like gross. Do you know how much we can do for the kingdom with that? But as I abide, and hey, for people out there listening, the Lord wants to bless you with it, that's totally fine. For me personally, I can't pray those. I don't want to pray those. Because I want to see the kingdom flourish. So as I begin to, to go to the Father in prayer, His word, He begins to pour out of me. As I begin to lay hands on my friends or lay hands in small group or, or pray for people in, my, in my, my private time, all of a sudden I begin to see visions. I begin to see with the heart of God and I can begin to what? Pray the word of God over them. And if I'm praying the word of God over them, I can guarantee It's his desire, and it's going to happen because it's praying his promises, not my own will, not my own. I'm trying to twist God into my genie man to do what I want, but I'm now praying the prayers of the Father. Let's take a look at this quote. You have it up there? One is that abiding in Christ and having his word abiding in us teaches us to pray in accordance with the will of God. With the abiding in Christ, our self-will is kept down. How many of you know that's important? The thoughts and wishes of nature are brought into captivity to the thoughts and wishes of Christ. You know, so often we want to tell God how to fix it. If you just remove this and added this and shifted this to the left a little bit and then move this up higher, it'll all be okay. And he's up there going, hello, I just need you to have a little faith. It's all supposed to be there, sister. And you're like, but dad, I told you, if you take this away, if you shift this over here, turn this to the left, shoot this up higher, it's going to all be okay. And he's saying, no, no my ways aren't your ways my thoughts are higher than the heavens are above the earth but as we know his word as it's in us our thoughts then begin to come captive to his like-mindedness to Christ grows upon us you know that scripture we have the mind of Christ all working and will become transformed into harmony with his there is deep and oft renewed heart searching to see whether the surrender was indeed been entire fervent prayer to the heart searching spirit that nothing may be kept back everything is yielded to the power of his life in us so that he may so that it may exercise its sanctifying influence even on ordinary wishes and desires because you see every part of our walk with him is part of our sanctification so even that silly stuff like forgot the milk why didn't they get the milk little stuff God uses the little stuff the little stuff And as you begin to pray over your attitude, because now you're so mad about the milk that you didn't stop, and then they didn't get the text in time, and what am I going to do in the morning? And you go to the Father because you realize you don't look like Jesus. (laughs) Come on. And then all of a sudden, he begins to shift your focus, and you realize, wow, this isn't even about the milk. Oh, wow, look at that thing inside of you. Oh, what are we going to do? Lord, God, I... repent and next thing you know you're trying you're you think you're correcting something about milk and you find yourself repenting lord come the little wishes and desires come under the sanctifying influence in prayer isn't that amazing his Holy Spirit breathes through our whole being and without our being conscious, how our desires as the breathings of the divine life are in conformity with the divine will and are fulfilled. Abiding in Christ renews and sanctifies the will. We ask what we will and it's given to us. Isn't that beautiful? So in our Bible study on Tuesdays, we've been covering Philippians. And last week, we covered prayer a little bit. And um, the book is by Elizabeth George, and Elizabeth talks about stop praying those baby prayers. Stop praying those baby prayers about the parking spot and about waking up on time. All the little stuff, come on. And God cares about all those things. Sometimes he just wants to give us a kiss when we're absolutely exhausted and we're running and it's storming outside and we got to go get the milk. There is no milk stories at the Prosser house, if you're wondering. <laughs> so he wants to bless us. He cares about those things. But as we abide in him, as we grow in him, as we mature in him, he wants us to begin to pray those heart-wrenching, soul-searching prayers, the prayers that we find in the Bible as we abide in him and his word abides in us. All of a sudden, we find ourselves praying those prayers. Well, what are those prayers? Those prayers. Philippians 1.9 says, In this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in the knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You know, we start praying those prayers over our friends. We start praying those prayers over our spouses. We start praying those prayers over ourselves. And those little things in church life, our family life don't matter. Yeah. So we don't pray, can, Lord, can you please have cousin Joe stop doing that when they come? Can you let them see the light that it's ugly? <laughs> and we start praying that our love would abound in Christ Jesus. That all of us, with all discernment, would have in us the discerning knowledge of what's, what's Christ and what's not. That we would begin to know with the fullness of God's love. And the fullness of God's love, we're not going to care what Brother Joe does when he comes to family reunion. We're going to be so happy he's there. We're all found together. We're just going to be loving on each other. Doing what? Praising God in all things at all times. Worshiping him and adoring him together. Those little things all of a sudden that used to bother us don't bother us anymore because all of a sudden the love of Christ has come. You know, if Christ wasn't full of the love of God, those little things about us would have bothered him so much. He may not have gone to the cross for us, but the love of God is bigger than all of those idiosyncrasies. The love of God, despite us, hung on a cross for you and me. So we can stop praying the baby prayers and start praying for one another that our love would abound in Christ Jesus. That we would know what's the length and the breadth and the height and the depth. That we would know the love of God one for another. There's one more prayer I want to read from Ephesians 3, 14. And it says, For this reason I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant to you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. How many times in the storms of life do we say, Lord, if you just make it go away, just make it go away, I'll be okay. If you just make it go away, I'll go to church twice next week. And instead of praying those things, we start beginning to lay hands on ourselves and pray, Lord, I pray that I be strengthened with power and might of my inner man, that my inner man would be strengthened in you, that Christ in me would begin to arise and abound, that I would no longer walk in fear, but that I would be strengthened with power and might. You know, in counseling sessions, when people call me and they're, you know, and all of a sudden they think I'm going to love on them and just say, oh, baby, I'm so sorry, that's so sad. And I say, you know what, I don't know what's going happen but I pray this I pray that your inner man be strengthened I pray that you're able to withstand the trials that come and you can see their faces going what's she doing and I'm like I'm not going to make a band-aid for this situation I'm going to know that I know that on the day of your glory comes that you're entering in the kingdom of heaven that you're not going to falter or fail when the trials come but you're going to be strengthened you're going to be able to withstand the trials that come because you know his love not because you work the system. Not because you do good deeds and you got the formula all figured out. But because he is strengthened in you. Yeah, yeah. Because it's less of me, God. Oh, more of you, God. More. I don't want people to see me. I want them to see you. I don't want to respond in anger. How many times have we been done wrong? And we know we've been done wrong. And we're ready to say... <clears throat> God says, go lower. That doesn't happen by a proud and haughty spirit. That doesn't happen by someone that still hangs on to hurt and self-righteousness. It happens from someone who goes lower and allows the strength and the power and the might and the love of God to expand within him, even in the worst of situations, even when he's getting beat down, snot beat out of us. Not my will, Lord, but yours. Not my way, but yours. I don't have to be right. I just want you to be glorified. I don't have to be right. I just want to walk hand in hand with my brother. I want to walk hand in my hand with my sister. I want us to be united in you. I want us to both be right before you. However, however it's got to go down, let us both be right before you. Strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the height and the depth to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. You know, that length and width and height and depth. You know, God didn't say, come into me and your life's going to be a bunch of jelly beans that's right. He definitely didn't say that one cuz I made it up. Although somebody over here is hungry, evidently. And so life happens. Life happens with marriages and with kids and with health and with finances and even with your homes and I mean, you know, stuff Katrina's. Stuff happens. And and when it happens, you know, even as a church, you know, when things begin to happen, we can't just go and say, I'm going to fix your problem and make it all look pretty. Give you the right crutches and give you the right bandages, which we do. We come alongside and we, we mourn and we cry and we rejoice. But if we begin to explain and to be the love of Christ that goes beyond all the circumstances of health. That goes beyond all the circumstances of finances. That goes all beyond all the circumstances of deceit and, and bitterness. And see how far God will go to keep you in His love, yeah. to walk side by side with someone that's been through the, the, the indescribable. You know, with our friends that you know, our close friends that the son, the youngest son out of five. Four out of five kids in the military, the youngest out of all five, and he's there not even a year, and he gets blown up. He survives, but he loses three limbs. To walk with that family and not say, oh, it's good. I'm going to believe the limbs are going to all grow out tomorrow. Don't we know he's a healing God? He's a miracle worker. My God, yes, he could. He could, he could, he could still do it Tomorrow. And I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna believe for health, for wholeness, for healing, for signs and wonders to happen. But in the reality of it, when they're scraping him down and when they're doing surgery after surgery after surgery and he's physical therapy after physical therapy and he's crying every day with his family and his family's crying because they're, you know, he's in Germany and they're here and then he's in Texas and they're here and what are we gonna do? And you go hand in hand with them and you listen. You go hand in hand and go to the word. You go hand in hand and pray. You go hand in hand and cook them all breakfast. They still talk about the breakfast we made. We didn't know what else to do. We just made made a breakfast. I can do eggs. You want pancakes? I'll pour the batter. (laughs) But the height and the width and the length and the depth of the love of God. We begin to pray those prayers over ourselves. We begin to pray those prayers over each other. Is God not the God of the Bible? Is he not the God that we proclaim that he is? If he is, he's big enough for every situation we've ever been in. But we don't know it if we don't learn to abide in it. But when the things of life come and we get fearful, we run off to man. We run off to natural ways of dealing with things. We don't give him the opportunity to show off, to strengthen us with power and might in our inner man. To show us the length and the height and the depth and the breadth of his love. If we don't sit in the middle of that trial and say, show me your glory. I'm going to worship you through it. I'm not going to act like a two-year-old. But I'm going to put on my big boy pants. And I'm going to sit with you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to set up shop. I'm going to decorate my house in Christ. And I'm going to learn to live in it. I'm going to learn to live with you in my situation. Are you following me tonight? We also abide with him in obedience. John 15, 9 says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. We don't keep the commandments. We don't do the things he's asking of us because it's a lawful thing we covered that. We do it. Why? Because we want to. We love him. We want to please him. We want to know him because we now take pleasure in it. We take pleasure in obedience. John 15, 9, five nineteen says, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. We're just following Jesus. We're looking at Jesus. We're following Jesus. We're abiding in Jesus. We're doing as Jesus does. And he does what the Father says. Jesus is even obedient. John 12, 49, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak, and I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. You know, we want to say, you know, because we give the Catholics a hard time because there's only one mediator between the Father and us, and that is by Jesus. So then we go take it a step further and say, well, I don't need anybody because I can hear myself. And there's truth to that, but why, if, that, if there's, that's the only truth there is, then why did he send the church? Why did he send the five-fold ministry, the apostles, prophets, the teachers, the evangelists, for the equipping of the saints? Why did he set up structure? There is obedience to be found in it. And it's not something that we do out of, out of guilt or shame, or we do because we absolutely have to, but we begin to take delight. Ladies and gentlemen, I take delight in submitting to my husband. I do. I just like making faces. It's a joke. (laughs) But you know why I take delight in that? Because it honors my father. Because when I actually obey my husband, I'm actually kneeling before the father in worship. When I obey my pastor, and he's still my pastor, he's my pastor and my husband. How do you like that? I'm kneeling before the father in worship, a lifestyle of worship. You know, as I, as I am obedient to those of my spiritual parents that have gone before me, I what? Am bowing before the Father in adoration, in worship, saying, Lord, I'm following you. You've placed these people in authority over my life. You've placed this covering in my life to cover me, to be my shelter. You've given him, Lord. He's got the job to present me blameless before you. Father, I honor you. I honor you, Lord. As I'm obedient, as I'm submissive to my husband. Doesn't mean he's going to beat me up and tell me to go clean the floors with a, with a toothbrush. But it's all those things that, as women, we were like, no, do this, do it this way. And he's like, hey, can we just, sure, no problem. Why? Because I'm honoring my father. Your may be long. That's right. Let's go to our quote from John. He's, he loves this. He eats this up. Go to our quote from John Knox. Huh? We're <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, one petition which disciples will include... I'm so sorry. I'm still thinking. Last night we had the funniest Facebook encounters over <laughs> spouses. And I think that's why this is all so funny tonight. So I digress. I'm sorry. (laughs) Certainly one petition which disciples will include as such loyal prayer will be that they may yield much fruit in their life of obedience and service. They will want to serve God, will want to bring honor to him and to lead men to see that he is truly God and has sent his son to be savior of the world. Their fruitful lives will bring glory to God and their obedience will prove that they are loyal disciples of Jesus. Obedience is the test of discipleship. Leave that up there for a second, Tony. Our obedience will prove that we're loyal disciples of Jesus. I'm not just tearing out certain pages of my Bible. I'm not just tearing out certain pages. I'm learning to abide in him in a way that that, that as his spirit rises up in me, I can begin to pray the big prayers. That I can begin to what? Repent to my, to my husband. Repent to my friends. Repent to my brothers and sisters in the Lord. Why? Because I've got to walk in obedience. My life of obedience shows my closeness in following him. You know, a, di- a disciple, the definition of a disciple is a dis- disciplined learner. And it used to be a joke back in New Orleans. As soon as someone said, I want you to disciple me. I the Lord told me you're gonna disciple me. I just just want to learn from you. We'd walk away and we'd laugh and we'd say, Hmm, I wonder what the date's gonna be. And they run. And not that people don't genuinely want to get discipled, but it's usually the overzealous ones that just say, I Pastor, I want you to disciple me i've got a call on my life but as soon as you say hey hey let's not do that we're not going to lay hands that way we're going to calm down when you prophesy it's got to be of the lord we're going to have scripture with it you have a scripture to go with it as soon as you start correcting what do people do i can't believe them they're controlling she wanted me to have a scripture. A disciple a disciplined learner, meaning God, even when the Father comes, he disciplines those whom he loves. Even when he comes with his hand of discipline, I'm still going to sit in him. I'm still going to praise the Lord at all times. I'm still going to thank him, Lord. God, I thank you that you, dis- that you disciplined me over this and not that stuff from 15 years ago. God. Thank you that you're molding me into your image, that you're sanctifying me, that you're purifying me, that you're burning the dross out of my life. We're going to find pleasure. We're going to find delight in obedience. You know, I used to remember when I was like, oh man, so I can't watch that show. Oh man, I can't do that either. And now I'm like, so be it. So be it. Because I know the goodness, the sweetness that's to be found in him. So as we abide in him, we're also obedience. We also abide in joy, and we bear fruit. We're going to skip and go to bear fruit for sake of time. Galatians 5.22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And as you and I begin to abide in Christ, We begin to bear his fruit. We begin to put on Christ. And as I put on Christ, that's the fruit of Christ's life. That is part of his character. That's part of his nature. I don't become loving. The love of Christ begins to abound in me. I don't all of a sudden decide I'm going to be a happy person. It's the joy of Christ bubbling out of me, bubbling out of relationship. I don't all of a sudden decide I'm not going to be an anxious person. No more anxiety. I'm going to chill. No. The Prince of Peace has come to make his home in me. It's the peace that comes on. We begin to have that fruit coming out of us in our life. So people that just spout off, I can't help it. That's the way I'm made. No, no, Christ had self-control enough that while he was beaten and bruised and spit upon and cursed and mocked, that he did no evil. He, he had no ill thought. If he was sinless, he had no ill thoughts toward them even. No ill thoughts toward them. How many times are we like, oh, okay, I know I shouldn't thought that. Okay, I'm good. No, no. No, no, the self-control of Christ begins to come and take control. It arrests us. It captures us. We begin to bear his fruit. Um, Our Matthew Henry quote says, we must, Pastor Gratian, come on up. We must be fruitful. From a vine, we look for grapes. And from a Christian, we look for Christianity. From a vine, we look for grapes. And from a Christian, we look for Christianity. This is the fruit. A Christian temper, a Christian disposition, a Christian life and conversation. You know, if you're with someone, if you hang out with someone, you talk all the time, that's a Christian, and they never want to talk about the things of God, find a new friend. If our temperament isn't Christ-like and we're spouting off in short Back away from the situation. Go find yourself hidden in Christ. You know, it's funny, because as soon as Zoe starts to be having that attitude, I'm like, you, you've you overdone it. We need to go to that quiet place. And most of the time for her, it's her nap. But guess what we do first? And we go to that rocker and we just begin to worship. We just begin to worship. But you know, it's not just her. When I'm like, Zoe! Hey, Mama. Hey, we need to step away. Christian devotions and Christian designs. We must honor God and do good and exemplify the purity and power of the religion we profess. And this is bearing fruit. The disciples here must be fruitful as Christians in all the fruits of righteousness, as the apostles, in diffusing the savor and the knowledge of Christ. To persuade them to this, he urges. You know, that's that's what all of us want to exemplify in our life. By proclaiming Christ, By proclaiming our lives as Christians, we're putting on the signet ring of Christ. And we walk in the authority of Christ. What's the world seeing? I want them to see in me a woman that lives with her king. That she may not do it all right, she may not have all the right answers, and she may make mistakes, but my goodness, she's been with the king. How do I know? Like Pastor said, because her face shows because her life shows it, because her prayer life shows it, because her countenance, because my temperament, because my conversation, my obedience, it shows it. Abiding in Him. Abiding in Him. Spending a lifetime learning to abide in Him that when we cross over, when we cross over to our heavenly home, oh, we can say, I've been waiting my whole life for this. I've been waiting my whole life for this moment. When all that I've tasted, when all that I've experienced in you, who, <laughs> Lord, It's magnified a million times now. It's magnified a million times now because you know him, because he knows you. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father,